Hello, good evening, and welcome to Seascapes. Tonight's programme comes to you from Aberdeen, where I've been inspecting an offshore floating wind farm in the company of people from Ireland's fishing organisations. This week I was in Aberdeen in the north of Scotland to view a floating offshore wind farm there. There are plans for extensive wind energy facilities all along the south and east coast of Ireland where the turbines will be fixed to the sea bottom. There are also plans for more technologically advanced and much bigger wind farms off the south and west coast. These would be in much deeper waters and up to 50 kilometres offshore. Each turbine there would be fixed to a floating base. The trip this week brought representatives from Ireland's six main fishing representative groups to view a floating wind farm about 20 miles off Aberdeen. The Simply Blue Energy Group organised the trip and Brian Fitzgerald of Simply Blue told me of their plans. We have two projects, uh, the Emerald Project outside Cork, 35 kilometres offshore for floating offshore wind farm, and the West of Sarn Project, 35 kilometres west of Loop Head, another floating offshore wind farm of 1.35 gigawatts. Um, these are technology that we have uh, viewed here uh, in Aberdeen um, and seen that this technology is here, it's happening and it's now. And Ireland has set itself very ambitious government policy targets of 7 gigawatts uh, of renewable energy by 2030 and indeed 30 gigawatts of offshore wind by 2050 and in order to meet those targets we will need every ounce of technology and capability and supply chain to be built in Ireland so that we can reap all of the socio-economic benefits that are quite huge associated with this transition to renewable energy. Then it was time to get on the ship to take us the 20 miles out to that floating offshore wind farm. Aberdeen is a fascinating place. It was once a fishing port, but when oil was discovered in the North Sea, the fishing industry was squeezed out in favour of oil and gas. The huge port there now supplies this industry, but that will come to an end in 10 to 15 years' time, and the town then intends to become a base for renewable energy. On board ship, Ricky, our pilot, told me about Aberdeen. It's been running since 1136 DC, a long time. It's not owned by anybody, it's a trust port. So it's run for the benefit of the people of Aberdeen. So any money generated here, folks, is just put back into operation and reinvested. There's 375 million being invested in a new harbour, South Harbour, around the Nick Bay just now for big cruise liners and big project vessels as well. So that's well underway as well, hoping to have bits of it open this year. Up until the late 70s, the fishing industry at Aberdeen had built Aberdeen Harbour and also built Aberdeen as well. When the fishing industry came in and go, well, when oil came in and go in the late 70s, the fishing industry was squeezed out of Aberdeen to make way for the oil and gas. You would have walked from fishing boat from fishing boat across the dock here. You'd have had the fish markets up both sides. The Heron Market over in Torrey, which was all flattened, and there was also a small village in Torrey as well. It was compulsory purchased back in the days as well to make way for the first oil and gas with Shell. So we're whaling, whaling in Aberdeen to the oil and gas, now to the renewable energy. So that's what they're looking at now. And then tourism around in the, the new harbour there as well. So it's always been very successful and I'm sure it will be going forth as well. So this harbour's eight metres. Vessels, Athens, getting bigger and more powerful. 
So it's kind of getting outdated. It was never built for the oil and gas, it was built for the fishing. So eight metres is the drafts for the vessels in a harbour here. Some of them are restricted, they can't leave until high water. The new harbour is 14 and a half metres, so there'll be no restrictions around there meantime. But depending on the way vessels go, they're getting bigger and bigger all the time. That could get outdated in years to come as well. So. But that's the harbour for you. All the fuel comes in by sea as well into Aberdeen to the fuel terminal there and then distributed all around Aberdeen by road tanker as well. So. Ricky, what are all these ships here? There's dozens of them, they look like. All these, they're not fishing vessels. No, no, all these boats are working in oil and gas out to the oil fields off Aberdeen. The well enhancer there, that's one of your big project boats, dive support. Sits out working in the wellheads, testing, sampling and all the rest of it as well. So there's no fishing at Aberdeen, some small fishing boats at Creels, lobster pots as well, which I do myself. So no, it's a busy place. So, and this harbour, it, it was a fishing harbour, but now it's for, what, 20, 30 years? It's about, it's about oil, oil and gas, just oil and gas now, yeah. And as I said, renewable energy now as well. So, wind farm, a lot of wind farm project boats coming in and out of here as well. Yeah. Now, Ricky, a ship coming in here called the Seagull, it's a huge thing. It's obviously a working vessel. That's one of your oil supply vessels. That's, that's coming in to load cargo for the oil rigs off Aberdeen. As I say, nearest oil rigs, 100 miles. they got guys about 12 hours to get out there, and the same coming back as well. So, they'll be coming back in with the waste and all the disused cargo back ashore to get maintained and all the rest of it. I say they'll have been out with the water, all the yeah. maintenance equipment, all your drilling equipment, drilling fluids, food and water for the guys on the oil rigs. So it's just a constant in and yeah. out the harbour all the time. How many oil rigs are out there? I'm not sure how many there is. There's a good few. I've lost count of them. They're all right. There's some of them off Shetlands as well. There's ones off Shetlands as well. These guys are running back and forth to as well. And so you're hoping now, or the, the city here is hoping that all of the oil when this industry stops, 10 to 15 years time, it will be replaced with offshore energy. That's where they're looking, that's where they're looking to go, eh? And I said, tour, the new harbour around there as well, tourism, they're looking to take in the big uh, cruise liners as well. It's always progressing all the time, nobody can really tell how things are going to go, but that's how they're looking to go, eh? Renewable energy. Okay. People in Aberdeen happy with the way things are going? Well, I don't know, it's just the way things are, as I say, you just have to go with the flow, eh? We've got the big wind turbines off Aberdeen here, the, Nobody was very, nobody was very uh, keen on them for a start. But as I say, once they're there, everybody seems to. It's just a, a, a sight to look out at as well. So it's good for the economy. It's good for the local investment as well. So. Then Ricky opened the throttles and sped us out through a fairly lumpy sea to the floating wind turbines. There were five of them, and they're huge. But even these will be dwarfed by the turbines planned for Ireland's south and west coast. When we arrived, Valerie Commons of Simply Blue described what we are looking at. What are we looking at here? We're, we've come out, we're about 20 nautical miles out of Aberdeen, and we've got five or six of these floating turbines. Yeah, so these are floating offshore wind platforms which are essentially wind turbines integrated into floating foundations. So the technology that we're seeing here is new technology insofar as the integration of offshore wind with a floating um, base um, is something relatively new. I said so um, the basic thing first. Yeah. They're absolutely enormous. That one now we're looking at is yeah. taller than the highest building in Ireland. It is. And what's remarkable about it um, the fact is that it's attached to a platform that it secures the seabed by a system of moorings and anchors. Uh, but Fergal, as you look at it here now, the foundation, the base, it's rock solid. Yeah. So it looks like a traditional 
offshore wind farm because nothing is moving you don't expect it to but the traditional technology is is piled deep into the seabed to secure it in place this technology actually uh, comes from offshore oil and gas in relation yeah. to securing an um, offshore production plant. And if I describe what it looks like, it's got the turbine, huge thing, but then the base is like three oil storage tanks that you see in SO or something, three of those floating connected together, painted yellow. That's right, so the, the, the structure is designed to be in ballast um, with seawater, so sort of in principle when you look at it you think oh my goodness all of the weight is on one side because the, the turbine is in one leg of a sort of a, a three-stooled approach if you want to think about it like that um, but actually as we can see it it's, it's incredibly stable What you're hoping to build off the south and west coast of Ireland are much bigger than these Yeah so this is what's called a nine and a half megawatt turbine um, at the moment we're designing for turbines that would be 15 or even 17 megawatts which would basically be twice the size where you'd have the nacelle up at about 120 metres um, and the nacelle is uh, where, the, where the blades are integrated into the engine room essentially where you can see that spinning there. Which so the technology is getting bigger and bigger yeah. um, and so that means that you're getting much more efficiency and much more power concentrated um, from the, the new farms that are going to be built and developed in Ireland because by the time this technology comes to Ireland the turbine sizes are getting bigger which means that the cost is coming down. What we're seeing here is one of the first floating offshore wind farms in the world. You have the technology here in Scotland and also off the course of Portugal but very very quickly technology and, and um, projects coming on stream such as in the Celtic Sea in the Mediterranean and, and elsewhere. Now when you describe these as being the ones you're playing are 120 metres high. That's Each one is as big as the Eiffel Tower. How far are we in the technology for that? When would you hope to get these built? So the technology is advancing really fast. Uh, the capital is there. There's, there's a huge degree of public support now towards seeing that this is the future. What we need to see is the regulatory system in Ireland put in place so that this can actually happen. And from our, our point of view, we would like to see and, and hope and plan to be delivering the first floating offshore wind farms in Ireland for 2030 to meet our 2030 climate targets. On board were representatives from the six main fishing organisations in the country. Patrick Murphy is the vocal chief executive of the South and West Fish Producers Organisation in Castletown Bear. He told me what he thought of this floating wind farm. Well, first of all, I have to eat my own words when I say that I was the structures themselves are very stable in the water so the structures themselves are are not moving up and down and we're, we're bouncing all over the place we're bouncing all over the place but what i am concerned about is the bend in the in the blades and today isn't a very breezy day so another bend on them now of 20 or 30 feet and they could be hitting the actual structure itself you know? for fishermen operating around these places it's the it's the cables you see i don't know which way the cables are where the power is running there's five inside here now, and they're, they're nice and close together, like they're well structured together. So I am impressed, I must say, I am impressed by the technology that's here. I didn't think it would be that stable, um, but uh, the, the blades is, uh, is something that the engineering of that, they must be very sturdy. I know they don't last very long. And Look, there was, there's, there's one of five operating now at the moment. I don't know why that is. We're told it's because maintenance issues and there's a ship maintenance ship going around there. Okay. So we're talking about one of these off the south coast? 
Yeah, well, the, the structure underneath it, the tripod that's there, actually would, I'd say, sustain a lot of weather. Like, I'm, as I said, the structure where it's the platform that it's on looks very stable. It's it's hardly budging. So that part of the engineering seems to be sound. What would you be saying to your members about this? I'd be saying that these structures will will be placed in the water again. And I'm not joking. I'm concerned about the blades. I know they're bending. Yeah, they, and I'm they not are picking. bending. And when they're not rotating, they're not bending. Exactly. So, you see, Fergal, today now it's maybe a force three or force four. So, like, if you had a stronger wind, maybe they just stop and they, once the weather gets bad, they just stop rotating and stay in a stationary position until the storm would pass, you know. But uh, today is a fine day out here in comparison to what seas I've been in. And been out on, you know. But um, look, the technology is sound. I'm impressed, and uh, it takes a fair bit to impress me. So, it it it, it could be the future. I'm Seamus Brannock. Uh, I'm on the board of the National Fishermen's Association. I'm an inshore fisherman from Carna in County Galway. What what do you think of what you've seen today? Now we're told that Aberdeen used to be a fishing town. It no longer is and hasn't been for a long time because it's oil now moving on to wind energy. Well, I find the whole port of Aberdeen very impressive uh, and the proposed new development, I find that more impressive with the, with the time scale. They say that they've only gone two or three years and they still have, boats are still going into the new, new harbour as such. And out to the wind farm, I find it quite impressive, a bit daunting in a way because in the area I fish, there's a proposal to have a wind farm there before 2030. So it's sort of, as I said, it's daunting. Our main worry would be, will it, will it affect the livelihood of my friends, my neighbours who are fishermen, and what impact it will have on our community? Where's that wind farm? Uh, it's, called, Carna. it's called uh, it's called the Scarred Rocks Wind Farm. It's off the okay. coast of Carna, nine miles off the coast of Carna. It's not floating; it's fixed. Will that affect your fishing grants? Well, it's. I'll put it this way: it's, the proposal is to have it on or near our fishing grounds, and we're in a sort of vacuum at the moment. We don't really know what what is the effect, positive or negative, of wind farms okay. on, on the fishing industry. You know, we don't know will there be exclusion zones. You know areas that we won't be allowed to fish. These are the questions that have to be sorted out before. Yeah, there might also be some opportunities for there. Well, there, there, can, there may be opportunities, especially for the younger lads. There may be opportunities, skippers of the boats and things like that. But, but there's another maybe downside, you know, there's a tradition of fishing in the area. And we wouldn't like this. Fishing is part and parcel of my, my neighbours, our livelihoods. I just wouldn't like to see that dying either. We just don't know about exclusions. You know, people say you can fish to within 50 metres. Some other people say that you'll be totally excluded. Well, if there's going to be total exclusion, uh, that's a different kettle of fish, and pardon the pun on that. How I put it, it's just the unknown that we're afraid of, more than anything else, just the unknown. What effect will it have? Would it be negative or positive? In all, there were six fishing organisations represented in Aberdeen this week and they all have varying degrees of concern about wind farms, particularly those anchored to the seabed. Sean O'Donoghue is Chief Executive of the Killybegs Fishman's Organisation. We are looking at uh, this new approach that we've developed uh, in the Northwest uh, in terms of uh, that we are involved from the very beginning in terms of these projects 
and we, we set out six key principles in relation to this. Uh, one of them being that uh, we're only interested in floating uh, offshore wind that's uh, at least 50, 50 kilometres uh, off as such, and we're not interested in developers, which has happened in the East Coast, drawing lines and maps and presenting us with a fait accompli. So from my point of view, it was good to see uh, 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 even though it is a small operation here, uh, what the floating windmill looks uh, looks like in in real life as such. But I do I do feel that we have uh, adopted this new approach. We've got uh, uh, a developer who is willing to take on board our pr principles, and we're working very closely with Hexacon on this to take it to the the next le level because. Uh, there is very little interest, it seems, in the northwest, even though the best wind speeds mm. in Ireland are there. And Conditions are more difficult. They are, I, 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 absolutely, and uh, I think uh, we're, we're a short distance from shore here, I think 12 or 15 miles. We're looking at three times that to be putting uh, offshore winds out in the middle of the, uh, uh, the, the Atlantic as such. Uh, as far as we're concerned... Uh, there is major problems with the East Coast yeah. and we certainly, uh, part of our trying to develop this new approach was because of the hassle we see. This is going to end up uh, uh, with loggerheads between the fishermen and the developers because as I see it, uh, they some of these... Uh, the developments are right on top of fishing grounds. Yeah. So that is totally unacceptable and we we have to find a better way. That's why our new approach to me is the way to go here. And the floating wind farms, there's going to be one off the southwest coast and one off the west coast? Uh, there's a government uh, initiative here, big push on offshore uh, renewables and offshore wind. And we said, right, if that's going to happen, we need to make sure that uh, we, uh, we keep our fishing uh, sustainable and going forward and that we work to try and work with the renewables so that it is the best of both worlds because our intention is that there, uh, if we get this right and we feel we've got these the six principles spot on, we see huge uh, benefits not alone for the fishing industry but for the entire uh, uh, Beggs community and the broader Donegal community. A. O'Donnell from the Irish Fish Producers Organisation believes that the coexistence of fisheries and some wind farms will be a problem. The sea is a big place and we certainly support the idea of location of wind turbines but they shouldn't be located in a place which is tra traditional fishing ground. Unfortunately, the best fishing grounds are the best places for the location of wind turbines as well. Is that because they're shallow plateaus or something? Yeah, for fixed turbines, they're shallow and they're the best. We've been seeing today these floating offshore uh, platforms. They are enormous. Will they have the same effect? Well, certainly it's a new technology. A lot depends on where they're located, obviously. They also take up a large footprint on the seabed. But if they're located in the correct places, then they don't pose a threat, similar to the fixed turbines. Do you think you're getting enough consultation on this? The industry feels there needs to be much better consultation. A lot of these projects are going ahead without prior consultation with fishers. These people have pre-existing rights to the fishing areas, and the, this, the level and quality of consultation has to be improved. 
how are you going to force these pre-existing rights to these areas? It sounds like a legal case to me. Well, nobody wants to be getting into a legal situation. We have to see if there's a way through in all of this, but consultation is key. The areas of particular concern are, having spoken to other people today, are down around Rosslare, right around the corner of that country. Perfect site for wind farms because it's relatively shallow, but it's also a fishing ground. Yeah, these are some of the best fishing grounds in Ireland for particularly langoustine or the Dublin Bay prawn. These areas have been fished for, for years. They're very productive grounds. They're spawning areas as well. And the idea of locating all of these farms in these areas is very difficult for the fishing sector to accept. Kevin O'Donovan was in Aberdeen representing the National Inshore Fishing Forum. They're by far the biggest fishing sector in the country. I asked him where they stood on wind farms. I suppose we stand in the unknown at the moment. We know it's very early stages, but we're hoping and willing to liaise. And that's, I suppose that's why we're here. Open minds, I suppose, needed, but... It's still very early days. You want consultation as to the location of these things? 100% consultation on everything, not just the location. Okay, what do you mean by not just the location? Um, just on plans going forward, agendas, everything like that. Do you think you've got that so far? Perhaps not, but as I said, it's very early stages and we're getting there, so hopefully. What we are looking at today were offshore floating offshore wind uh, energy turbines. They're kind of a different prospect to the fixed ones, which are much closer to the shore? Yeah, and like the ones we were at today were 12 miles off, and I think the plans for the ones off the west coast at least are 80 miles off. But, you know, cables still have to come ashore, and I spoke to a fisherman on the way in, the man that was skippering the boat, and he told me they're down to four fishermen now out of Aberdeen, which, you know open my eyes a little bit. I don't know, time will tell. John Lynch of the South and East Fishermen's Organisation, what do you think of the wind farms we've been seeing today? Well, they're, 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 they're very big structures, Fergal, you know, when you, when you um, imagine that there could be hundreds of these along, the, well, not these ones, these are floating structures, but along the east coast of Ireland, the proposal is for six, at least six developments in phase one of uh, fixed, fixed structures, you know, which w- they wouldn't quite have the spread that these ones have, but they're still big, big, big structures. They're going to take up a lot of sea area and they're going to put a lot of fishermen out of business. You're very concerned with the farms, or the structures that are going to be wrapped right around the corner of the country, down at Rosslare and up the east coast. That's correct, Fergal, yeah. And what, what concerns me most is we got no input into... Um, we've had a lot of meetings with developers and a lot of meetings. That's all fine. But we weren't approached on day one when, when the areas were being chosen. And this is leading to a huge conflict between fishermen and the ORE developments because the fishermen had no input into the location of these sites and a lot of them are located on prime fishing grounds. It's really going to cause a problem for the industry going forward. And, uh, <coughs> you know, it's, 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 it's going to have a huge negative impact on the, on the ability of, of um, parts of the fleet to, to, earn their, to earn their yearly income. The sea is a big place. The sea is a big place. But uh, it's a fisherman's job to find the fish, and they, they they have a good knowledge now of where the fish, where the fish are, where they where they where they spawn, and where they grow up, and where they where they eventually uh, live in their maturity. And these areas can easily be seen by looking at the Marine Institute uh, maps. Show the concentration of fish fishing in certain areas. This is the areas where you have to fish, the areas where the fish are. And unfortunately, 
some of the wind farms or a good few of them are in are, are going to be located in the in these areas you can't fish around them you can't fish in between them it's uh, in, in our opinion it's impossible this idea is muted by the re developers that oh we can have coexistence we don't see much coexistence on this side here today fergal there's not a fishing boat to be seen anywhere not even on the horizon so there's no there's no sign of any static gear in the water so it's my opinion that in this type of site there's definitely no fishing and on the fixed fixed uh, to ground sites i think there'll be very little fishing possible in them definitely no mobile gear it'll be possible to tow mobile gear in between a wind farm where there's electricity cables running all over the place from one to another onto the shore and that was John Lynch of the South and East Fish Producers Organisation. Thanks to everyone involved in that Aberdeen trip for the insights into those developments. And there really is a lot of talking to be done on the wind farm issue, particularly on the East Coast, where, as you heard, fishers fear their business and way of life will be eroded. Floating wind farms are almost a different issue. And developers there have to be commended for getting the fishing organisations on board at this early stage of the planning. And that's it for Seascapes for this week. We're back at the same time next Friday. Everything on the programme's podcast is on our website, rt.ie slash seascapes. If you want to contact me or the programme, the email is seascapes at rt.ie. If you're anywhere on or near the water over the next week, stay safe. Seascapes is presented and produced by Fergal King.